The Trevor J. Brown Show. The Trevor J. Brown Show is meant for an adult audience. An adult audience. The Trevor J. Brown Show may contain explicit language and topics. Explicit language and topics. Listener discretion is advised. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. Be a part of the show and email us at inherentdream at yahoo.com. And now, your host, you guessed it, Trevor J. Brown. It's the show. It's my show. It's the Trevor J. Brown Show. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us in the conversation. We love to hear from you. You can find us at facebook.com backslash the Trevor J. Brown Show. We're also available at facebook.com backslash inherent dream. You can email us anytime. That email address is inherent dream at yahoo.com and our website, inherentdream.com. Thanks for tuning in. Our Friday evening shows are available on Spotify and the Spotify app. We're also available on Anchor, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Those are the hot spots to find our weekly show. And we also have bonus content Saturday. Last Saturday, we played some of my favorite songs from 2021. We're going to do the same this upcoming Saturday. That's tomorrow. And then, coming up on the 22nd, we're going to get back to our playlist, which you can follow along with on Spotify. And that playlist, you just have to search the 1,000 songs by the Trevor J. Brown Show. We're building a playlist of our favorite songs, the best songs, in our opinion, of all time. So far, we have music on there from the Beatles, the Beach Boys, Dolly Parton, Bob Dylan... Patsy Cline, Aretha Franklin, Sam Cooke, Joni Mitchell. And tomorrow, we're going to be adding, uh, or next week rather, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow, we're going to be adding three more songs to the playlist. Again, tomorrow, we'll be spending some of my favorite songs from last year. And then, uh, again, coming up on the 22nd, we'll be adding three more tunes to the playlist to get up to 19 total songs. we got a long way to go. I don't even know if we're going to fully get up to like 100 by the end of this first season, but we'll keep adding them as the uh, as the season goes along. Again, follow along on Spotify, the 1,000 songs by the Trevor J. Brown Show. And again, that is on Spotify. We have an action-packed show for you tonight coming up in a little bit. We got the more on Spotlight for you. I'll be unveiling my favorite TV shows of 2021. That's coming up. We have a free-for-all Friday with Mark Stone. It is NFL Wild Card Weekend. Looking forward to that. And since it's finally playoffs, we not only have Stone tonight, we have Tim Lingen again. We'll talk to Tim about the upcoming playoffs this weekend and also get his thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings coaching and GM vacancy. As we record right now, no hire has been made. So we'll get Tim's thoughts on maybe who the Vikings should go after in his opinion. I don't know about you as we get into 2022 and it's kind of weird. I, I haven't, I don't think I've physically written 2022 yet. Working at home and being on the computer and everything now is like automated for you. Remember like back in the day when you would stress, like if you wrote a check or something be like, did I put the right date on there? I don't even think I've written 2022 yet. 
And if I have, I've probably put 2021. But now that we're in the new year, is it just me or do these first few weeks in the new year, really the whole of January, doesn't it go real slow? You've had so much fun for the holidays. I feel like the fun of the holidays, a lot of people say, well, it starts It starts around Thanksgiving. To me, I, I feel like uh, the fun of the holidays sort of begins around Halloween. You get all this candy, even if you're older or just fat like me, you get all this candy. You don't go trick-or-treating. You just go to the store and buy candy because... It's Halloween. As you get older, you just realize, like, I don't need Halloween for this. I can do this anytime. But now that it says Halloween on the calendar, so then you have Halloween, and a few weeks later, you have Thanksgiving. You're just stuffing your face. You're stuffing your face. And then a month later, about a month later, you have Christmas. And then a week later, you have New Year's. And for the most part, so many people are in good moods. You have the holiday spirit. It's the holiday season, you're doing your shopping, you're gift wrapping, you're eating a ton of fatty foods, and then January 1st comes, and we all want to try to get back on track, and we want to hit the gym. I've, uh, we got a gym membership. Lindsay did such a good job last year on working out. We kind of had this game plan last year, like we're going to work out and she was going to the gym and I was just doing like walks in the neighborhood, that sort of thing. And I ended up losing like 10, 15 pounds last year, but it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted. So late last year in like November, I ended up getting a gym membership and, uh, I was going three, four times a week up until Lindsay got COVID And then I sort of decided like, well, if she's positive, it's probably not good for me since we live in the same house. Being a responsible person, what's that, right? Trying to be responsible and care for thy neighbor. I I thought, you know what, I'm I'm not going to to go to the gym just in case I, I get it. Now, what's weird is she tested positive and I tested negative. And I never once tested positive, even when she had it. And at one point she like coughed right in my face. So I don't know how it works. The, the coronavirus is a, uh, is a fickle thing. But anyway, I decided like, Hey, want to go to the gym? This will hold me accountable three, four times a week. Been doing the pool, been doing about a quarter mile in the pool whenever I go. And it's a lot of fun. My point is, is I got to park at Timbuktu When I get to the gym, and why does that drive me nuts? You're going to the gym anyway. You're going to work out. But I got to park like a half, you know, it's not a half mile. I'm I'm exaggerating here. But you got to park so far away from the gym door. I think part of it is because I, I hate how cold it is. I don't mind the snow, but I do not like when it's like zero degrees or below zero for your daytime temperature. It's just awful. But it's funny because these first couple of weeks, boy, the gym is just hopping. You can't find a parking spot. But then by the time you get to the holidays, like when I first signed up at the gym, you could get front row parking. You're right there. You're good to go. Doesn't matter. But then, boom, January 1st comes. Now people are uh, in the habit. It's going to be funny to see how as as the year progresses, the, the parking spots, you can get closer and closer to the door. But good luck trying to find a good spot at the gym at about 5, 530 
Monday through Friday. It's almost impossible. But these these days in, in January, after you have the holidays and after you eat all this fatty food, all this fatty, delicious food, it just is so long. And and I, I think part of it is you have the, the sort of seasonal depression of holidays are over. We're trying to get back on track. And then plus, like, the weather sucks. Again, I am not anti-snow it can snow i don't care but when it is five degrees zero degrees below zero it's just absolutely miserable it makes me very very depressed but if if you can get through january to me january is the toughest month to get through as a minnesotan because if you can get through January, February, yeah, it can snow in February, March, and April, and we've seen snow in May. But if you can get through January, you can get some nicer days towards the end of February. March, I can wear shorts most of March outside. You can get some 50s in March. And by April, well, knock on wood, hopefully we have baseball, but generally that's baseball season. So we have some things to look forward to. Great show for you tonight. We got Tim Lingen coming up. We got Mark Stone coming up free for all Friday. And uh, coming up next, I have a great Moron Spotlight for you. That is next. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show from Inherent Dream Production Company. Time now for the Moron Spotlight. And I know the holidays are over. But I wanted to get to this because there was a great article from the New York Post. And the headline, this was written by Andrew Court a couple weeks before Christmas. The headline, woke wannabe film critics cancel Christmas classics over toxic masculinity. Here's what he says. Bah humbug. Woke wannabe critics are attempting to cancel some of the most beloved holiday films in history, calling out problematic plot lines and characters in movies such as Love Actually from 2003 and The Holiday in 2006. While many Americans find comfort in reruns of these films, some Scrooge-like viewers claim the Christmas classics should be thrown out like an unwanted gift. I just want to make clear, this article hits it on the head. The part of that is in the Moron Spotlight is that people would actually complain about some of these things. I encourage the people that would actually complain about these things to actually watch the movie, and if they have watched the movie and they still hate it, go out and get a job. And it's not just those relatively recent holiday films that are attracting the ire of politically correct users on Twitter. Movies made as far back as the 1940s are also being targeted by the Twitterverse for racism and misogyny. Here are five Christmas movies and the reasons why woke critics say they should all be placed on the on the Santa's naughty list. So a film called The Holiday, in the 15 years since its release, The Holiday has become a beloved Christmas classic currently streaming on Netflix. The Nancy Myers rom-com has officially entered the holiday canon, according to Parade. And while many love the film for its leading ladies, Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet, it's the male characters that leave some armchair, armchair critics calling for its cancellation. Jude Law plays Graham, a widowed book editor who drunkenly shows up at a house being rented by Diaz's character, Amanda Woods. The pair proceed to have sex and act some Twitter users say seems icky and inappropriate oh man welcome to adulthood some people engage in sex even if they barely know each other 
How is that a shock to people? Graham later uh, cautions Amanda, quote, I tend to hurt women simply by being myself, adding that he has a classic male problem of no follow through. End quote. Unfortunately, I have realized Jude Law on the holiday is an F-boy, one critic stated. Meanwhile, Jack Black's character, Miles, has also been criticized for making moves on Winslet's emotionally vulnerable character, Iris. One surmised Jack Black's charming character behaves like a dangerous sociopath throughout. It's a film about toxic masculinity that doesn't know it's a film about toxic masculinity. It's a film! It's not real! If you don't like it, here's an idea. You can shut it off. My favorite holiday film of all time. It's my mother's favorite film of all time. I think it's Brother Harrison's favorite film of all time. I know it's Papa Brown. It's on his list somewhere. It's a wonderful life. We watch it every year on Christmas Eve. Here's what they say about this. It's not just the holiday that purportedly features problematic men. Frank Capra's Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life, is also being targeted by viewers who accuse Jimmy Stewart's character of exhibiting misogynistic behavior. Oh my. The movie revolves around protagonist George Bailey, a lone banker contemplating suicide on the eve of Christmas. By the way, the storyline as I get older for It's a Wonderful Life, I it hasn't changed. It's the same movie. But as I get older, this last year after watching it, you realize how dark of a movie it actually is. It is a very dark movie. It's a Christmas movie, yes. There is hope in the movie. But for a big chunk of the movie, it is very depressing. It's weird how you sort of see more of that a little, you, like you comprehend it a little bit uh, as you get a little bit older. However, the film highlights how Bailey's life is worth living as his kind heart and good deeds have subtly influenced the lives of many of uh, in the town of Bedford Falls. But skeptics say, not so fast! George Bailey was an emotionally abusive and manipulative misogynist, wrote one naysayer, appearing to reference a scene where George yells at his wife, Mary. In a follow-up scene, George grabs his spouse and kisses her without consent. Oh, my. The scene in It's a Wonderful Life is an example of both the man imposing himself and the woman deciding to give in to him rather than resist further, one outraged viewer posted. Others are calling out the lack of diversity in the 1946 flick. I see NBC is playing It's a Wonderful Life right now. It's in black and white. Is that why I see no people of color? <laughs> why? Why? Why is it always that? Do you see me bitching when Tyler Perry makes a movie and there's not a white guy in it? Do you see, do you see me bitching when... Uh, I watch any commercial on TV and the white dude is always the moron. I don't care. I don't care who you cast in your commercial. I don't care if all you want in the commercial are non-white people. It doesn't offend me. It's not going to make up for anything that's happened in this country. It's not going to be a reprieve for any of the past sins of this country. So go ahead and cast whoever you want. This film was made at a time when Wonderful Life came out in 46. Okay, if you got a problem with it, shut it off. But I'm not complaining about uh, all these other movies, all these other TV shows. It is what it is. If you don't like it, shut it off. The Santa Claus 
The Santa Claus was a box office smash back in 94, grossing almost $200 million and spawning two sequels, but some viewers say the film hasn't aged well in the 27 years since its release and have branded it as fat-phobic. Yes, it actually says here, fat-phobic. Tim Allen plays a toy salesman, Scott Kelvin, who assumes the duties of Santa Claus and begins to pile on the pounds in order to resemble him. The sudden weight gain prompts several fat jokes, which are far from politically correct in today's Hollywood. Well, shit, I forgot about all the super fat phobic shit in the Santa Claus Disney movie, damn it. A disappointed viewer wrote after a rewatch last week. Oh gosh, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I was looking forward to rewatching, but I don't think I could deal with all that right now. Thanks for the heads up, an ally responded. Oh my goodness, have you ever seen a picture of what Santa Claus may have looked like? We don't know for sure if this is what he looked like, but... This is the representation we have with with paintings and drawings and all of that stuff. And he was a hefty, fine fellow. It's a movie. It's comedy. You can't laugh at a fat joke. My goodness. Jingle All the Way, filmed here. Like the Santa Claus, Jingle All the Way became a 90s Christmas classic, but woke critics say problematic characters and themes ruin a nostalgic rewatch. The 96 film sees uh, sees Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad play rival characters, desperately trying to purchase a Turbo Man, a Turbo Man action figure for their respective sons for Christmas. The relentless focus on capitalism has turned some woke viewers off. With one saying, rum-soaked viewing of Jingle All the Way. Now, and gang, this is a deeply problematic shitfest about late capitalism. I guarantee you the person that tweeted that doesn't have a job. Others have taken issue with a seemingly perfect neighbor named Ted, played by the late Phil Hartman, who offers a sympathetic ear to Rita Wilson's character Liz. Some claim Ted is creepy. That's the point! That's the point! Phil Hartman is the best part of the movie! He's hilarious! He is a creep. That is the, that's the point of the role. Some claim Ted is creepy and that his inadvertent advances on Liz spoil the seasonal film. I am now realizing as an adult how problematic Jingle All the Way is, a social media critic surmised. Oh my goodness. Get over yourself, people. Y- your life has to really suck if you have to look at holiday films and say, you know what, man, I have to criticize these things because my life sucks. I feel uncomfortable with watching the Santa Claus because they make a couple of fat jokes at Santa Claus's expense. I feel uh, uncomfortable watching Phil Hartman in Jingle All the Way. That's the character. It's a role. It's fake. See, this is where the way left just... just loses tons of people because it's stuff like this it's it's the constant complaining it's the twitter it's instagram it's facebook it's everything on social media of how i have to put my opinion out there because we I'm, i'm trying to be woke we're gonna try to really save the world here we're gonna try to do this we're gonna try to do that it's gonna be a better do you think the world's gonna be a better place if we take phil hartman 
out of uh, out of Jingle all the way. Do you think that the world's going to be a better place because uh, we get rid of the Jude Law character? No, here's what you can do. If you don't like it, shut it off. You can just shut off the TV. You don't have to stream it. You don't have to purchase a copy. It's not like that U2 album from years ago that just all of a sudden appeared on your iPhone and you had to delete it. I don't see the holiday or It's a Wonderful Life or Jingle All the Way or Santa Claus showing up on uh, on your DVD player at home or on your phone saying you must watch it in order to advance to the next round. No, it doesn't happen. You don't need to watch it. But I feel so sorry for you if in your life you're that bitter and you're that upset where you find these things that upset you so. You realize It's a Wonderful Life was made in 1946. Things in the world in 1946, the way people spoke to each other, the interactions between men and women were a hell of a lot different than they are today. Some things were better then, some things were worse then, some things are better now, some things are worse now. It it depends who you ask. But it's a movie, and I guarantee you a lot of these people that are bitching about this stuff, all these woke people, they've never watched it. They've never watched it, they just have heard about it. But that's what they do. They want to sit in their dark room, spewing bullshit. There's keyboard warriors on the left, the woke. They think that they're saving the world by uh, putting some comments like this on Twitter and Facebook. But then you have the keyboard warriors on the right, too. You have people that are like, I'm going to whoop your ass. Oh, okay. Go have a go have another uh, knee surgery or two and a couple more shoulder surgeries. And then go try to sue somebody. I mean, at the end of the day, it's real easy to get into a fight with somebody when you never have to... Uh, You never have to face them. You never have to be face to face. But you have the people on the way left and you have the people on the way right. And I've been saying for years that I truly, truly believe that these are pretty much the same people. They differ on a couple big issues. They differ on guns and they differ on abortion. And now now they're differing on, on vaccine stuff and face masks and all the COVID stuff. But for the most part, they share one common thread and they're all whiny little bitches this is the trevor j brown show you're listening to the trevor j brown show from inherit dream production company did you know inherit dream production company is more than just the trevor j brown show inherit dream is home to musical acts chairman of the board tnv trevor j brown and the food and song compilation series albums are available now at inheritdream.bandcamp.com or stream anywhere you get your music. Mark Stone coming up for free for all Friday. We also have Tim Lingen coming up as well. So last week I unveiled my favorite songs of 2021 and also my favorite albums of the year. Coming up maybe next week, if not the week after. I still have some films to watch, but I'll be unveiling my favorite films of last year. But for this week, my favorite TV shows of 2021 to recap the list from last year all documentaries last year my uh, number one killer inside the mind of aaron hernandez number two the last dance the uh, chicago bulls documentary and number three the lance armstrong documentary called lance other winners 2019 true detective season three 2018 was barry season number one 
2017 Master of None Season 2, 2016 Stranger Things Season 1, and 2015 Season 1 of Master of None was our number one show. So here's my list of 2021. We have a uh, comedy special on here and uh, a comedy show, which just wrapped its 15th season on FXX. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. The season consists of eight episodes and makes the series the longest running live action comedy series in American television history, surpassing the adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. I have always thought that this show never gets enough love. This show has never won an Emmy. I don't even know if it's ever been nominated for an Emmy, but these guys, uh, Charlie Day, Glenn Howerton, Rob McElhenney, Danny DeVito, Caitlin Olson are absolutely stellar. And the writing constantly gets better and better and better. I think season 15 is one of their strongest seasons in the history of the show. It sees them later on in the year get out of the bar and the whole gang takes a trip to Ireland. The last four episodes are the group over in Ireland there's actually some emotion in the final episode, which normally you think of a show like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I don't want to say it's one note, but there's not necessarily a lot of heart. And the last couple of years, there's been a couple of episodes that have actually displayed some heart, which is uh, kind of cool to see. A couple amazing episodes. Um, the first episode of the year is called 2020 a year in review and the synopsis is every, they look back on last uh, 2020 to justify their numerous PPP loans. And in doing so it's revealed that they contributed to the chaos of the past political year, way more than anyone could have imagined. Uh, They uh, there's an episode where they replace D with a monkey and uh, they, they end up getting uh sort of taken advantage of uh they get served too much from the monkey and then there's the the ireland episodes as well but it is a a phenomenal season lots of uh lots of humor and uh, definitely recommend it season 15 of it's always sunny in philadelphia it's available on uh, fx now and fx on hulu as well my number uh two for uh for the season is uh, one that I talked about a couple times last week. There was a song on uh, on my list, and also the album made it as well, but Bo Burnham's Inside, I, I can't recommend it enough, is a, a comedy special written, directed, filmed, edited, and performed by comedian Bo, uh, Bo Burnham. It was recorded in the guest house of his Los Angeles home during the COVID-19 pandemic without a crew or audience. It is on Netflix It features a variety of songs and sketches about Burnham's day-to-day life indoors. It depicts his deteriorating mental health and explores themes um, about his relationship to the internet and the audience it helped him uh, reach, as well as addressing issues including climate change uh, change and uh, social movements, video game streaming, Instagram, FaceTime, sexting, 
Uh, the special received critical acclaim with viewers praising its music direction, cinematography, and presentation of life during the pandemic. I also feel, though, it's not just about life in the pandemic. It's about life as we are right now. I laugh because people think that they're making some big impact by posting on TikTok or on Snapchat or on Instagram or sharing. And all of these things are so fake. I sort of make fun of uh I make fun of it and I, I share, I'm on Snapchat and I don't know why it's a, a total complete waste of time. Nobody's on there, but if you go to the right and then you see these, these wannabe celebrities that are on there and they, um, you know, they, they, they put their gym photos on there. And my whole thought is like, look, I'm a fat ass. I probably always will be a fat ass, but if I didn't have a job and I had all day to go to the gym, I could probably be fit too, but I actually have to work. Um, but then they'll put like these fake ads on there and you know that they're fake because they, if, if it's really bad Photoshop and it'll be somebody asking the question, how do you get your teeth so white? And then they'll explain like, uh, I get my teeth so white because I use this light that I shove up my ass. No, they put it in their mouth. And that makes your teeth white. And then there's a link in it in the next slide and you, you go click on it. And it's like, look, no one is asking you how you get your teeth so white. And what I want to know is what businesses have so much money that they're playing, they're paying some influencer, 18, 19 year old chick to promote these ads. And it's like, what reach is that? How many people are actually ordering this stuff? And these people allegedly make millions of dollars a year. But what do I give a rat's ass about some 19 year old giving me life advice on, on Snapchat? I don't, you haven't even lived life, honey. You don't, you haven't even gone through anything yet. I'm supposed to take what you say, your endorsement of some light you put in your mouth that you're going to, it's going to give me clean teeth. It's absolutely a joke, but I feel like as a whole, inside really displays the the dysfunctionality of the world we live in right now uh, for inside burnham uh, received emmy awards for outstanding music direction outstanding writing and outstanding directing for a variety special it's on netflix now that's my number two and my number one for the year the beatles get back a documentary series directed and produced by peter jackson it covered the making of the beatles 1970 album let it be which had the working title of Get Back. I talked about this uh, previously. I don't know how Peter Jackson did it. He had like 150 hours of film that he had to go through, and a lot of this was never before seen. If you don't like music and you don't like the Beatles, you're going to hate this. But if you love the Beatles and you love music, it's like you're a fifth member of the band and you're seeing the inner workings of these songs and how some of these songs came to life. And uh, it's brilliant. And I'm a huge Beatles fan. I'm a huge music fan. And this is just my cup of tea. It's right up my alley. It's like eight hours long. And you know what? I wish it was longer because I would watch it. Uh, it's uh, absolutely fantastic. It's out now on, uh, on Disney plus uh, the miniseries was widely praised by critics who highlighted the historical merit of the footage and it's showing of the inner workings of the band. Although some deemed its runtime to be excessive. It could be excessive uh, total. It's 468 minutes, 
But again, if you love the Beatles, if you love music, you will love the Beatles Get Back. Again, that is on Disney Plus now. So again, number one, the Beatles Get Back. Number two, Bo Burnham Inside. And number three, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, season number 15. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. The Trevor J. Brown Show. The Trevor J. Brown Show is brought to you by In Good Hands Massage. Be sure to treat yourself to a massage and visit In Good Hands Massage in Malacca. In Good Hands specializes in all types of massage, including deep tissue, relaxation, hot stone, sports massage, and more. Book your appointment today or get your gift cards at facebook.com slash massage by Lindsay. It is a free-for-all Friday, free-for-all Friday, with Mr. Free T. Friday. Hell yeah, with Mr. TNT himself, Mark Stone, on the line. Stone, welcome. How are you? I'm doing good, Trevor. The playoffs are here. We're excited. It's time to move on. But what a great slate of games this last weekend. Absolutely great slate of games. How did you fare uh, overall? Overall, as far as picks or make it or what? Making that money. Making that money. I did not do well. As you folks know, I took Atlanta, which didn't pan out so hot for me. And then I also, I think, took last week, uh, who was the other bet I was talking about? That totally, oh. Green Bay? No, I didn't take Green Bay. Um, I'm trying to think here. Real quick, give me. Uh, well, I did take Miami, yeah. as we know, as we know. So that was the big. That was the big one that came through, and that was the stone. Oh, it was Carolina, yeah, which also disappointed us. So Aww. you know, the good news is the stone, the carved in stone bet of the week came through. So did the stone cold lock of the week, as the Washington football team curb stomped the New York Giants and Joe Judge into unemployment with a 22 to 7 victory. It's about time. I love how earlier in the week on like Monday Joe Judge was he was just sort of sitting in no man's land after Gettleman uh retired as they like to call it, but you know all the press releases and everything say Gettleman is uh retiring and made no mention of Judge and I'm sure he's sitting there like well I ain't coming back. I'm I'm screwed. But it's obviously the right decision. I mean, for goodness sakes, the New York Giants have had a string of just awful head coaches here. Those fans deserve so much better. No, it is a, it is one of the more prestigious franchises in the league, a franchise that has been around for a very, very long time. Um, you know, the Mara family has been owners of that franchise for pretty much since its inception. And, and again, John Mara took the uh, podium on Wednesday and explained just how disappointed he is with the way this team's been, how he need to move on to Joe judge, even though it's the third coach in a row that's only gotten two years and moving on. But I'm a firm believer. The giants are still a franchise. A lot of people want to coach. It's a job that will be in demand. It does have some prestige. It is very prestigious as well so it'll be interesting to see who they come out with as a head coach and as a gm for this team but definitely they need to rip it down to the studs and start anew yeah and i feel like the giants job even though the organization has prestige there's honestly in my opinion not a lot to build there you don't have a quarterback i I feel like you have to go and get a quarterback in the draft 
Offensively, you have Saquon Barkley, who has had health issues. I I just look at that team as whoever takes that job is probably going to take a step back before moving forward. Out of all of the people that were fired this past week, was there any name that surprised you the most? I think it's still Brian Flores, and I don't think we're done yet. I mean, Pete Carroll says he's coming back, but I think he can still be showing the door here. Um, trying to think of who else. and I'm not sure if Brandon Staley may survive the week either. I mean, that's just a you shouldn't be not you should not be missing the playoffs when you have Justin Herbert. I agree. All right, we have six games to pick. It's wild card weekend. We have two games on Saturday. Three on Sunday, and then the Monday night game. Not sure how I feel about the game on Monday uh, in terms of it being on Monday, but whatever, it's on Monday. Let's start on Saturday. You have the Las Vegas Raiders and the Cincinnati Bengals. But before we start the picks, I'll just give you my analysis at looking at these games as a whole. I feel, Stone, there's a there's a part of me where I feel like these, these games are, are really easy to pick, and there's a side of me where it's like, don't overthink it. But you know there's going to be at least one or two upsets. There's going to be an upset somewhere down the line. And I don't know where that is, but then there's just my gut telling me, like, don't overthink it. And to me, the don't over one of the don't overthink it games is this Raiders-Bengals game. The Raiders are cute. They made the playoffs. Good for them. But I, I just got to go with the better team, and Cincinnati is the better team. Being at home, I, I like the Bengals here. Yeah, and the, uh, the line right now is, I think, around five and a half. Maybe you might even be able to get six as it keeps rising. But I still think you even take the Bengals if you're going to bet here. Vegas is coming off of playing Sunday night football, going into overtime and almost having a full overtime to beat the Chargers. And then the NFL did them no favors, making them go from West Coast to East and also having the early kickoff on Saturday. So it's the shortest of short weeks than anybody can have right now that's left in the slate. And the Raiders are coming to a Bengals team that I believe has already beaten them this year. So, yeah, everything everything flows through Cincinnati. I'm in agreement with you. Don't think too much on the uh, interest-o-meter for these games this weekend. I've got this game at number four so kind of on that bottom half of that slate where it could be interesting the vegas raiders could make this interesting but again towards the bottom about whether or not there's upset ability what did you make of that raiders chargers game i think overall my opinion it was very entertaining i didn't quite understand the people talking about i i mean i knew the logistics of it if both teams tie the chargers and the raiders they both make the playoffs and then the steelers are sitting at home this weekend. But on the flip side, and I don't know if maybe you'll agree with me on this, but that's why I love the final week of the NFL. It's always divisional games. I don't see any circumstance where the Raiders would say, hey, we'll go to overtime and we'll just take the tie and we'll let our division rival make the playoffs. And in fact, we might see them down the line and they might kick our ass and knock us out of the playoffs and vice versa with the Chargers. I don't see the Chargers saying, yeah, we'll let the Raiders make the playoffs. We'll just get the tie here, and then uh, we'll go from there. No, you beat them, and that's what the Raiders did. And they're in the playoffs, and their divisional opponent is sitting on their ass. No, in agreement, and you look at the Raiders who were in control in that overtime, and a lot of people thought, ah, they're just going to run out the clock here. 
and Brandon Staley calls a timeout as he has channeled his inner Mike McCarthy on this. Um, but the Raiders, if, if they probably were talking about a tie on the sidelines, but the tie would have sent them to Kansas City. Yeah, they got a much better matchup here against Cincinnati. It's just much better to just get rid of the Chargers, your division rival, and that's just it. Staley calls a timeout. You get to regroup. You you, you then pull off a twenty-three yard run or whatever gets you in the field goal, and you finish the game. That's what good teams do. And if I'm the Chargers, I'm really, really thinking about how do we move forward here because that's an epic collapse, this team losing its last two games to miss the playoffs. Maybe not as bad as Indianapolis, but still pretty bad. Free for all Friday, Mark Stone, our guest. Let's go to the Saturday night game. This is the one that I'm uh, very intrigued by, my New England Patriots going and playing the Buffalo Bills. You know, Stone, that I want New England to win. You know I'm going to be cheering hard for the Patriots. But I've said all year, Stone, that this is a year to get back to the playoffs. And technically, you know what? I don't even know why the division was this close. This was the Buffalo Bills division to lose. It shouldn't even have been that close. Now, the Patriots, the Bills don't have much of a running game. They haven't had much of a running game all year. So they got to get pressure on Allen. If they can get pressure on Allen, they make this game interesting. But I think Buffalo wins this game. I think it'll be close, but I think Buffalo wins as much as I hate to say it. Yeah, it's going to be bad weather in Buffalo, and I don't think uh, New England's going to get by again passing the ball three times to try to beat them on this one. I think Buffalo is going to go at it. Um, this is two of my three correct picks in the AFC. As you know, in the preseason, I did pick New England to make it at 11 and 6. They finished the season 10 and 7. I picked Buffalo at 12 and 5. So I did have it that close as far as this division was going. And Buffalo finished 11 and 6, a game apart. But I, I don't, I just think Buffalo at home in bad weather they're going to will their way here to a victory but i'm in agreement with you new england right now is at plus four i would bet on new england if i was going to make a bet on this game because i do in agreement with you it's going to be that close and on the interest meter i've got this at number two for this weekend which to me is going to be the second best game to watch and again it's in the prime time slot on saturday night the other thing too is i feel like there's always some sexy trend pick and and i've heard now for the last month of the season a lot of people have hopped on the patriots going to the super bowl bandwagon and as much as i would love that i just i i have to be a little bit more of a realist i mean we don't have tom brady as a quarterback um there's no julian edelman out there as much as i like mac jones and the future that we have building here for new england to me it's going to take some time it's going to take some baby steps and I, can they win this game? Absolutely. Do I want them to win this game? Absolutely. But on paper, going into this season, and I get it, the games aren't played on paper, but this is this is a Bills game that they need to win. This is what they're built for. And honestly, if the, the pressure's on the Bills. If the Bills lose this game in Wild Card Weekend, they have some they have some things to address in the offseason because they should not be losing Wild Card Weekend. There's too much talent on that team. Um, let's go to Sunday, 12 noon, the Super Bowl champions, which by the way, Tampa Bay gets totally screwed here in terms of, I know it's a matchup thing, but why the hell are they playing at noon? The Super Bowl champs playing at noon on Sunday. They're not in Sunday night. They're not on Saturday night. They're not in the 3.30 window. No, of course, that goes to Big Dallas. 
But Tampa Bay plays at noon against Philadelphia. Don't overthink it here, folks. I like Tampa at home. Well, again, you talk about, like, I got my interest on meteor on this six games, and this game ranks at number five. And the reason why is, yeah, Philly has been a little bit better here the last few weeks. Uh, Nick Sirianni seems to have found an identity, and that is running the football and power football. But, again, the team that stops the run the best out of anybody in this playoffs is Tampa. So yeah. it's a poor matchup. Plus you got Jalen Hurts making his first playoff spot. You've got Nick Sirianni making his first playoff first coaching start um, up against both Arians and Tom Brady who have been around the block. Brady's been around the block more than anybody. This is another one where you talk about it. Don't overthink it. I mean, the, the spread right now is eight and a half, which is a little large. I think Philly's going to keep it within a touchdown but that's because i think they'll backdoor cover it i don't think they're going to i think i think tom and the boys are going to keep the gas on and probably go up by two touchdowns and stay that way till the end of the game i'll tell you what i think a big game for big rob gronkowski on sunday i see him having a couple of touchdowns and a couple of packs of nathan hot dogs on sunday uh in the uh sort of if i had to pick an upset and i don't like to necessarily say upset at this time of year, because I don't know, a lot of these teams I feel are evenly matched, but I just have not been a firm believer of Dallas all year. I haven't been. And I don't love your 49ers, but I feel they match up really well against Dallas. I like the 49ers here by a field goal. Uh, you've walked into the carved in stone bet of the week here in the playoffs. I am only going to make one bet and the carved in stone bet of the week has been red hot three straight victories in the last three weeks, four out of the last five. Again, we finished over 500 on the season at eight and seven. So if you just strictly bet the carve in stone, when we started on week four, you would have made money at the end of the year. Um, we're going to continue that trend. I think San Francisco is just a lot here they match up well against this team they're very very physical dallas cannot stop the run and here's another tall tale stat for you dallas is six and oh this season against the nfc least however they're only six and five against anybody else Ooh. and let's face it San Francisco this year has played up and played down to their competition. So they know Dallas is a team that's for reals. They don't have a problem coming in and playing. They played the Titans tough and lost that late. They played the Packers tough, lost that late. They swept the Rams. They did get swept by the Cardinals. But again, San Francisco's been in all these games. And I think they're going to go into Dallas, and I think they're going to roll to a victory here. They're healthy. Jimmy looks good. So, yes, give me San Fran. So, again, as we go to Sunday night, don't overthink it. But if we want to overthink it just for a little bit. If the Steelers come out, if the Chiefs get the ball to start, let's say, and T.J. Watt comes out and sacks Patrick Mahomes on his ass and the Chiefs go three and out the first time, we might have a bit of a ball game for a bit. However, if the Chiefs march down the field and get a touchdown, which they do most games – it's over and out. Big Ben, take the curtain call. It's over. I think the Chiefs win this game handily. But if there's any guy that's in the playoffs right now on the defensive side of the ball, I'll give you two guys that can change the complexity of a game. T.J. Watt for Pittsburgh and Max Crosby for the Vegas Raiders. 
if those guys come out and have days of days, we could have some ball games here. But that's a lot of pressure on TJ. And uh, I think the Chiefs are, are too good, even though the last few weeks they haven't looked as dominant. But I, the Steelers, they just I've, – I've sort of said all year long, Stone, that if they make the playoffs, watch out for them, watch out for them. But I just I, – I can't put my money where my mouth is on the Steelers. i got to take the Chiefs. Yeah, don't overthink this one. On the interest of either the Dallas-San Fran game is number one, but here, this is the number six. This is the least interesting game here. I cannot believe they put this on Sunday Night Football, but they did because I think they know it's Roethlisberger's last game and they've got Mahomes. But honestly, from a competitive standpoint, there is no reason why this game should be in any kind of primetime slot at all. Plus, you probably had Troy and Buck on their knees begging for the Dallas game in the Fox America's games America's game of the week over there in Dallas but here yes this is the stone cold lock of the week for this one again red hot as well stone cold lock of the week is on a five game winning streak finish 15 and three on the year you can lock this in i don't care if tj watt has 12 sacks in this game and two forced fumbles they're not being returned for touchdowns and ben roethlisberger isn't gonna be able to punch it into the end zone that was obvious against baltimore this last week and perhaps the uh the biggest sort of uh, who knows what could happen game. I think Monday's game between Arizona and LA, honestly, you could make an argument either way. With that said, I know that Arizona Cardinals started off hot the last month of the year. We're kind of up and down. I don't know. Like, I feel like we've been kind of anti Cliff Dingleberry on the program for the last couple of years. And it's tough for me to bet against Sean McVay in the playoffs. I think the game plan for the Rams is simple. I'm going to stack the box. I'm not going to let you run the ball. And I'm going to have Kyler Murray air it out. And if he can beat me that way, fine. Because I got my great corners back. And uh, good luck throwing on, on guys, you know, some of that secondary for the Rams. I just, I think this is going to be close. But I, I think the Rams have too many playmakers, even though they do have some injuries. They have too many playmakers defensively. I like the Rams at home. I'm in agreement here with the Rams. The Rams last week got a wake-up call by the Niners. Sean McVay is pissed. And again, these two teams split against each other. But let's let's back it up a little bit, okay? I was wrong once again. The fake ID of professional football is back. Cliff Kingsbury is back coaching like we all know Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury can. Okay, he backpedaled his way into the playoffs. He had a chance in the final week as San Fran stormed its way back to knock off the Rams to win the division here and get a home game. They couldn't do that against a Seattle team that was playing like it was in the Super Bowl. Like he didn't know this was going to happen. Again, they have lost four last five games, including against the lowly Lions, yeah. mind you, and against the Colts team that was tanking as well. And they lost against the Seahawks. This is a team that's going to go into SoFi against the Rams team that went up 17 nothing on the Niners, and McVay was 45-0. and 0. 
when leading at halftime until he met that nine or second half. Yeah, there's no way Cliff Dingleberry's coming back in this one if they go down 17 nothing. Give me the Rams, and if I'm betting, I'm still betting the Rams, and that line went up again. It was down at three and a half at once. I think it's back to plus four. So, again, the money's even moving towards the Rams on this one. You know, the Cardinals stone started off so hot. I mean, there was at one point they were undefeated, and then the week of my honeymoon, I'm sitting in Keystone watching that Thursday night game, and if you recall, that was the Arizona-Green Bay game, and like 500 Green Bay staffers, and I'm over-exaggerating, but so many of their players were on the COVID-19 list. They weren't even at full strength. Arizona ends up losing that game, and honestly, since that game stone, Arizona has been so up and down this year where I, I don't necessarily know what, what Cardinal team will uh, will show up. And, and the thing that I want to say about the Rams is I know that they've kind of been up and down lately as well, but this team is built for playoff football. And uh, I just I, I look at that defense, the playmakers that they brought in in the offseason, the playmakers that they brought in in-season – I think they're ready to go. And I, I know there's going to be a little pressure on Matthew Stafford because he's in the playoffs. He hasn't been there a hell of a lot before, but this is the big time now. What are you made of? And to me, having a guy like Stafford in the playoffs is such a big upgrade over a guy like Jared Goff. No, I'm in agreement. It, Stafford wants to prove it. Stafford wants to get that first playoff win, something he has not been able to do in his career yet. And you also look at the other side in Kyler Murray. Uh, part of the reason why the, Ram, the Cardinals have gone on that decline, you got to remember in that Packer game, I think he got knocked out yeah. and Colt McCoy got to start the next week and Cliff Kingsbury pulled off the upset against the Niners. But then they lost against the Panthers the following week. They beat the Seahawks and the Bears, which is, okay, you should beat those teams. And then the, what we just recapped about losing four of their last five. And Kyler Murray has not looked the same since coming back from injury. And this is starting to, just as Cliff Dingleberry, he seems to seems to fold as the season goes on like like a master of origami we've got over here kyle murray kyle murray seems damaged goods he yeah. seems to not be able to be put able to put up with the punishment that the season brings once he's past week 12 he seems to again just constantly declines and and just does not look like the same guy that he does at the beginning of the season well, enjoy the uh, the Saturday games, the Sunday games, the Monday night games, and uh, we'll recap it all with you next week and look ahead to the divisional round. Fantastic, Trevor. Again, it's exciting. We're going. We're only what four or five weeks away. If they think there's that bye week in there, but to crowning a new Super Bowl champion, well, not necessarily new. Tom and company still around, but we'll see what happens after this weekend. You have a great weekend, my friend. You too. He's Mark Stone. It's Free For All Friday here on the Trevor J. Brown Show. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show from Inherent Dream Production Company. Jensen Sales Plus makes buying and selling online easy. From Craigslist to Amazon, eBay to Etsy, they do it all. Check out their website for more information, jensensalesplus.com. That's jensensalesplus.com, JSP. Located in Princeton and a proud supporter of the Trevor J. Brown Show. Tim Lingen joining us here. A big thanks to Mark Stone for joining us. Now we got Tim on the line. Tim, how the hell are you? 
Doing well, buddy. Thanks for having me back. Good to have you back. I want to get your thoughts. You are one of the biggest Vikings fans that I know. And uh, the big move this week, goodbye to Rick Spielman, the general manager, and goodbye to the head coach, Mike Zimmer. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, it was probably a long time coming. If you talk to whatever's left of the Vikings faithful at this point, it's uh, it's a lot less crowded on the bandwagon nowadays, I'd say. Um, anyway, I, I think that um, Spielman and Zimmer, uh, I think they performed admirably, I guess, in the time that they've been here. We've, we haven't had a lot of, uh, you know, truly awful moves or, or, or atrocious uh, seasons. But what they have been lacking is that next step. Um, we haven't we haven't been able to move past, you know, early playoff eliminations or, um, you know, get over the hump in terms of some of these eight and nine seasons that we had this year or whatever. So um, I think a fresh coat of paint and some some new scenery around uh, the organization is going to do the do it's good hopefully i guess that that's assuming that you get the right hires in here uh it's no guarantee in the nfl that uh the guy you sign uh pen to paper with is going to do his job well so we'll see who they find i think at the end of the day i I, you know and I'll, i'll get your thoughts on this but i think it comes down to to a couple of things and and one is you bring in a guy like kirk cousins to take you to that next level now it's tough for me to put all of the blame on Kirk Cousins during his tenure here. I'm not going to do that. But this past year, and since he's been here, when a guy's eating up 30, 35, 40 million dollars of your payroll, uh, that's a big part part to do with it. And oh, without a doubt. I, yeah. I, I feel like Spielman and Zimmer really tied themselves, maybe Spielman more than Zimmer, but at the end of the day, Zimmer's tied to it too because he's the coach even if he wasn't consulted on bringing in Cousins or not, but you're sort of tied to that. You brought in Cousins to get you to the next level. And the second point is you've missed the playoffs three out of the last four years. Well, three out of four misses after bringing in a guy that's supposed to get you to the next level isn't going to cut it. And if you look at the last couple of playoff victories, yeah, they beat the Saints a few years ago. And then the last playoff win before that was the Minneapolis Miracle, which it's sad that it took a miracle to win that game because in the first half, you were beating the absolute crap out of New Orleans. So it took a miracle to win there, and you did that with Case Keenum. And I, even if you're not a Kirk Cousins guy, uh, I, st- I still think that a lot of people would say, I would say 90 to 95% of people would say, Kirk Cousins is an immediate upgrade over Case Keenum. Yet, if you're not making the playoffs, I don't see a lot of coaches and GMs sticking around when that decision, for the most part, has been wrong because they're not making the playoffs. You you play to win the game, and if you're not winning playoff games and you're not going to compete for a Super Bowl, clearly the decision hasn't worked out so far, and it's been the wrong decision. Yeah, well, and uh, I don't want to make it sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but uh, maybe I spoke a little too apologetically when I first gave the take of well, I haven't done anything like any massive missteps, but the, um, I mean, like you said, those decisions like the, the contract uh, contract structure and um, the other thing is like some of these draft picks and stuff that they've made uh, just haven't really hit aside from like your Justin Jefferson's and mm-hmm. Dalvin Cooks. Those, those were big, but uh, there haven't been a lot of other 
true impact players recently um, that have come from your draft. So if you're missing on those and you've got bad contracts in place, it's going to be really, really hard unless that guy that you're paying through the nose for is able to grab that team and put him on his back, which Cousins is not that guy. He does he does things well, um, but he I wouldn't want him to be responsible for us winning necessarily because I, I don't think that's his game really. I think he uh, is a guy that maybe you ask to limit mistakes and make a few key throws here and there, but uh, not necessarily slice and dice the opposition to, uh, to do it for you. You mentioned uh, like a fresh coat of paint, a fresh set of eyes. I think that's important because one of the things that I feel that this regime with Spielman and Zimmer they've gotten too comfortable with guys sticking around too long. And I can't remember who I was talking to about this. Maybe it was us via text or maybe it was somebody else. I can't remember, but uh, I I brought up like uh, uh, Xavier Rhodes, like Xavier Rhodes was a very productive member of the Vikings for many years. He stuck around for clearly a year or arguably two too long. Same with Kyle Rudolph, Kyle Rudolph, uh, great tight end probably shouldn't have been here last year or the year before you need to know the time when to move on. And, and another guy is Anthony Barr. Frankly, I wouldn't have given Anthony Barr the contract when he went and accepted the contract with the jets. And then he, he sort of uh, said no to them and then came back here. I didn't think Barr was good enough to bring back at that time. And what was that two or three years ago? So it's these guys where, yes, they were productive at some point, but they just end up staying around a little too long. I think there's pieces on this team in every level of this team that are good. You look at, you have a great running back in Delvin Cook. You got a great receiver in Justin Jefferson. Um, Adam Thielen's good. You look at uh, defensively, you got a stud in Harrison Smith. Uh, Cam Dantzler could be pretty good. In, in, the, uh, in the linebacker group, you have Eric Kendricks. You got a couple beefy linemen up front. So you have some building blocks. I don't feel as if uh, when when the GM and the coach come here, the new guys, it's going to be a complete rebuild. You have those some pieces in place, but you also need some guys to come in and say, this guy's been here too long. He's not giving us what we need. We need to move on. It's something that the Timberwolves went through a long time ago when it was sort of that boys club down at Target Center. It was the same group of eyes looking at the same group of players for 10, 15 years. And that's what it's been like for the last 10 years, well, eight, nine years, however long Zimmer and, Zimmer and Spielman were here, it's just time to, to get some, some new perspective in. And that's why I want them to go, go outside of the organization, get somebody that you typically would not hire because that's going to bring in some new perspective and, uh, and, and really make it worthwhile. Yeah. Well, and that's where it's kind of intriguing is one of the names that, that, kind of comes to mind of like well who might be around for a head coaching spot and like eric the enemy uh running back coach for a long time here and elsewhere and whatnot um it makes you wonder like would that would that kind of a hire be the right thing or is that just kind of like oh that's familiar because he was here and we loved him when he was here and all that stuff i, I mean ultimately if he's qualified yeah go and hire him but I, I, just, I just wonder if that would be kind of more of the same um but like you said whoever ends up coming in here the cupboards aren't bare they just need to they need to go shopping though and see um like you said who belongs here and who doesn't I, the closest comparison that i've got is like fantasy football rosters and stuff because that's the closest i've ever been to a gm but like 
um, you get tied to the guys sometimes in your mind as, of, of like what they've been in the past or what they should be, not necessarily what they are. I, I know like there's there's some emotions that get into it and stuff, and that's where like new guy coming in um, should probably be able to look at it just uh, you know analytically and just say like, all right, this guy fits what we want to be, and this guy doesn't, and out the door they go, trade or release or whatever. How true is that with the fantasy football angle? I mean, my goodness, when the Chiefs this year signed uh, Josh Gordon to be like their sixth receiver, how many people went out and made a waiver wire claim in fantasy football? Have you ever seen that much movement for a guy that had probably less than 10 catches this year? Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, 2012, 2012. Yeah, he he did have that one great year, but that's about it. You know, I, I, people just get enamored or and physical, physical talent and ability and whatever might be there. But if it's not translating on the field, then it doesn't do you any good. Who, I guess, you know, the Vikings don't give a rat's ass what we want, but if you had, you know, a guy who do you, who is a guy that you would like to see them at least interview? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of tough for me to even, to even give, uh, a, a list of names because I, I almost want me or excuse me I want them to to go out and get somebody that isn't familiar like like Zimmer, Zimmer when he, we hired him it was like oh my gosh we got Zimmer and you know he had this this run for for Dallas in the in the 90s he was part of the Super Bowl teams and this and that and it ended up being kind of like old hat I, I guess and I, I just don't know I I I guess rather than give you a name, I'll give you an idea. I want a, a new blood, kind of fresh ideas, kind of thing. Like when Sean McVay got hired yeah, on, yeah. Uh, or uh, you know, um, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but the the San Francisco coach, um, Shanahan. Yeah, um, Kyle Shanahan. So like, get guys like that who are kind of ahead of the curve and have got new ideas. I I, I don't want the old guard, this is the way that it's been done. And I've got a system that I've used for 30 years kind of thing. I, I want something fresh. I like that. And I, and I think that they should go in a direction more offensively. I look at defensively. You you've now this last year, we talked about this defense. I said it going into the year. I think this could be a top five defense in the league. They sucked this year and you had a defensive minded coach. And I don't, I don't want to hear all the stuff where it's like, well, we had injuries and, we had to deal with COVID. So did every other team. And the playmakers that you brought in, it didn't work out. So the judgment there wasn't quite there. I feel like the last couple of years, especially, Zimmer has just sort of been resting on his laurels of like, well, this is how we've done it. And I'm going to bring in this guy to plug this hole. And I'm going to bring in this guy for this scheme. And it just didn't work out where like, I look at the offensive side of the ball and I'm like, man, I, I get like, all right, Kirk Cousins will never be Patrick Mahomes. But also, you could make a pretty damn solid argument that some of the other pieces we have are pretty dang close to what Kansas City could have. Now, that could be a erroneous, crazy statement, but hear me out. Delvin Cook is probably better than Clyde, Ed Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He for sure is. So running back-wise, you would take Delvin Cook. Now, we don't have a tight end like Kansas City. Travis Kelsey is a beast. And we don't have Tyreek Hill. But you do have Justin Jefferson, who, uh, I don't know, he's pretty dang good. You have Adam, Adam Thielen, who's pretty dang good. Irv Smith, if he comes back healthy, he could be something. I don't think he'll be Travis Kelsey, but 
what I'm saying is you have offensive weapons here. And if you have a guy that brings in a cool offensive scheme, which at this point, anything would be cool and refreshing compared to what we did have with Clint Kubiak. Shouldn't even have had that job. He was a terrible play caller. You need to bring in an offensive-minded guy that's going to be able to adjust on the fly and uh, and get stuff done. And and you look at the whole scheme of the league. The league has sort of turned into an offense first, defense second. But that doesn't mean you can't have a good defense too. But I felt like Zimmer was so enamored with d- defense and defensive play calling and his guys, he sort of forgot about the offensive side of the ball. And when you have like six or seven offensive coordinators in six or seven years, uh, that's a problem. And these guys, they weren't good enough to go out and get other jobs. Most John D. Filippo don't even make it through the whole season. And, and some of these other guys like Clint Kubiak, he shouldn't even have had that job. So you'll, you have to worry about both sides of the ball. And I feel like Zimmer kind of lost himself on the offensive side. Oh, exactly. And like, like you said, you laid it out with Cook and uh, and Jefferson. They're probably top five to ten kind of talents in the league. And you've got a guy that you're you're paying $30 million to on top of that. Like, if, if you can't make something out of that. And that's kind of a disservice to, to the other complimentary players, too, because guys like K.J. Osborne stepped up and played well yeah. this year and uh, stuff like that. Like, you you should be able to get more out of that personnel. And on the defensive side of the ball, I've seen other teams do more with less than we have. Um, like you said, there are guys on the roster who should be able to do better than bottom third of the league on defense for you. Um, and like you said, maybe maybe the, maybe top five was a little bit lofty at the beginning of the season, but man, they should have been better than they were. Um, so yeah, so, somebody that can juice the orange a little bit better and, and get more out of what we've got and then find creative ways to, um, to get things elsewhere free agency hitting on draft picks or whatever I mean you know so often I've, I've brought up New England on, on your show but like you look at a team like that or other teams who draft well they end up hitting on these fifth and sixth and seventh yeah. round picks that end up you know being either quality reserve players or starters on their team and and a lot of times with the Vikings we've seen misses in the first and second round and that kills you well, look at what Kansas City did this year through the draft and through free agency. They rebuilt their whole offensive line. This was a team yeah. that went to the Super Bowl last year. Patrick Mahomes had too much pressure on him. They rebuilt the whole offensive line, and they're back in the playoffs. Now, yeah, Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes should be making the playoffs every year unless there's some catastrophic injury. But it can be done. It can be done. All right, I got a minute left. I got to get your picks for the wild card weekend. I had Stone on previously. We got his picks. I did my picks. But who do you like, uh, Vegas or Cincinnati? Uh, so this is going to be one of the more interesting ones to me just because I think they're two similar teams, kind of young and on the rise sort of thing. I do think Cincinnati edges it out. I just love Burrow and Chase and what they're able to do on the offensive side of the ball. But this one will be fun to watch. I think I, I told Stone this. I, I like Cincinnati here, but Vegas could make it interesting if Max Crosby has a day like he did on Sunday night. Patriots and uh, the Bills Saturday nights. Um, you know m- where my heart is. You know I'm rooting for New England, but I- I'm taking Buffalo at home. I don't think the weather's going to be too good. 
Yeah, another one of the ones that I think would be real interesting uh, of the weekend, uh, just because divisional games are always that way. And, uh, I think the Bills are better on paper, but it, the last few games of the season, maybe they didn't play as well as they could. So it depends if New England can catch them off guard, maybe. But uh, for the sake of a pick, I'll, I'll pick the Bills, but keep an eye on it. Eagles and Bucks. Uh, this is one of my don't overthink it games. Tampa Bay, I'm taking. Yes, sir. Don't overthink. 49ers and Cowboys. I've been anti-Dallas Cowboys all year long. I am calling it right now. San Francisco for the win. <laughs> I'm going to fall into the trap of believing in the Cowboys when they put up a couple of 50-point efforts recently, and uh, we'll, we'll pick Dallas and watch them lose now. Another uh, don't overthink it game uh, will be the curtain call for Big Ben on Sunday. I like the Chiefs and a big one. Yeah, it's, it's cute that the Steelers were able to make it in and, you know, they got some help on Sunday and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, the Chiefs will send them home. I know there's plenty of people listening right now that are saying, Trevor, put your money where your mouth is. You said all season long, if Pittsburgh makes the playoffs, they're built for January football. Yeah, but I, I, can't, I can't rely on it at this point. If they go into Kansas City and, uh, and beat the Chiefs wild card weekend, that would be one of the greatest upsets of all time in the history of the National Football League. And then sort of the toss-up game, Monday night, Arizona and the L.A. Rams. I think it comes down to stopping the run for the Rams and having Kyler Murray beat you, and I don't think he can do it. I think the Rams win at home. Yeah, both of these uh, teams have maybe liked the last month of their football back and be able to redo it. Um, but I think that the, the Rams are, are better off right now than the Cardinals are. Uh, Cardinals have dealt with some depth issues and things like that. I'll, I'll take the Rams. Enjoy the uh, weekend of football, my friend. Thank you. You as well. Tim Lingen here on the Trevor J. Brown Show. That's all we have time for tonight. Be sure to tune in to bonus content Saturday as I play a couple more of my favorite songs from last year. Thanks for listening. This has been the Trevor J. Brown Show. The opinions expressed on this show do not express the views of staff, management, or sponsors of Inherent Dream Production Company or streaming services where the show may be heard. The Trevor J. Brown Show is produced by Inherent Dream Production Company.